Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, welcome, guys. It threw me off, Aaron. I'm used to, uh, I don't know, we just recorded an episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly the other day, so I expected you to go, hi, I'm Aaron. <laughs> I was like, well, hold on, got which our, podcast are we on? Our different branded intros. I know. Ooh, and, you know, okay. we, we scared Andrew off after four hours of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League last week. He's exhausted. He's exhausted. He can't join He's us. He's taking today. a nap. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we wore him out. We wore him out. But, you know, I got to tell you, that uh, Suicide uh, Squad trailer dropped yesterday, that, that red-banded Suicide Squad trailer dropped yesterday. Oh, yeah. Pretty damn hot. I gotta say, I am pretty hot. So excited for this movie now, and I have to hand it to James Gunn. It reminds me of the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where, got the same kind of energy, right? Yes, it does. It's got the energy. It's got a song that you wouldn't expect to be associated with the movie that just really pulls you in. Yeah, I thought it was a. I mean, I'm, you know, I was on the fence about this movie, and I don't get me wrong. I like James Gunn and I like Guardians, but you know, it's it, it. There's also it could. It felt like it was. It may have gone too far with some of the early stuff that they were showing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm gonna like it, but right. the trailer really sold me. You know, and it does appear as if Joel Kinnaman from the first Suicide Squad will play a pretty sizable role. Yeah. Um, which was kind of surprising to me. You, you'd think they would just focus on just new stuff other than Harley Quinn, but no. I mean, you know, um, Rick Flag. I think he plays. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty. You know, all over that trailer. Uh, yeah, well, I did I, not expect the comedic aspects of King Shark. The I, I got to tell you what what I particularly enjoyed about the trailer was <laughs> the John Cena parts. Right, uh, <laughs> I, it was just killing me. You know, just killing me. I I, just, I, I thought it was a, a a really nice use of him, and really, I mean, the trailer does exactly what what it needs to do. Is it's it's peppering all this stuff through and saying, hey, we've got a tasty dish to serve you. And I can't wait to eat it. I am yeah, just so excited about this movie. So much I was excited about on the trailer. Yeah. And it starts right from the very beginning. You've got, uh, they're there to rescue Harley Quinn. And she walks up and asks them what they're doing. Yeah. So I watched the trailer again with my wife. And she got all excited about this. She's like, yes, this is what they should do with Harley. Harley would rescue herself. Right. And she's all excited about that. And for me, the other thing was like right at the end of the trailer, we get a kaiju sized Starro. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. They didn't go tiny little Starro. They went full Starro. No Jaro, just Starro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> full Starro. You never go full Starro in a movie, but they went full Starro. Well, it looks fantastic. I cannot wait to see this movie. Same. And, and I it, it hated, like a- I hated the first Suicide Squad movie. I didn't hate it. Hated it. I I, I didn't mind the first Suicide Squad movie, but I will definitely be watching this on August 6th when it comes out, either in theaters or on HBO Max. Yeah, I fall on the iron side. I hated the first one. It had some really good acting and some good character moments, but that story was just horrid. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Bad, bad, Paul. It was bad. (laughs) But, but you know, uh, I I, I have been deep down the well of... uh, of uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee lately. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you know, the the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, debuted on Disney Plus last week. And, you know, Paul, you shared an article from Ed Brubaker, you know, him kind of talking, he's got sort of a, uh, 
a mixed bag of feelings about Falcon and Winter Soldier in that, you know, he doesn't feel like he has been credited or compensated fairly for, you know, developing those characters. And, you know, it struck me that that is something that, you know, Disney and Marvel have been dealing with for a great long time. Um, you know, I said I've been down the, the Jack Kirby and the Stan Lee well. Well, uh, I came across a podcast that Fred Van Lente, uh, friend of the friend of the podcast, Fred Van Lente, I believe, yes. um, uh, developed based off a play that he wrote called King Kirby. Or a play that he co-wrote, I believe. Anyway, it's a dramatized uh, account of Jack Kirby's career and life, and it's brilliant. It was recorded at Midtown Comics, and you know, it's a like I said, it's a it's a fully dramatized uh, uh, podcast, you know, about uh, Jack Kirby's experience, and it is very much from the Kirby point of view. Just like the biography of Stan Lee that I read called True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee, uh, it is a new memoir that came out just a couple of weeks ago, and it is written by Abraham Reisman, and it is also very much in the camp of Jack Kirby. It is not a balanced view of Stan Lee at all, you know, uh, Jack, uh, you know, Jack clearly co-created the Marvel Universe, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he designed these characters. He helped develop these characters. But, you know, Kirby would tell you that, you know, he, what, according to both of these accounts, that he's the guy who did all the work. That all Stan did was plug in some, some narration. And it, there is no doubt in my mind. That, that Jack is the guy who developed the visuals, that Jack is the guy uh, who probably developed, you know, came up with the original idea. But you cannot discount the role that Stan played, uh, the way he wrote those books. And what I think is most important and the thing that, that put Marvel apart from all of its competition is that Stan Lee interconnected the universe. And, you know, Jack was on record many times saying how much he hates that or hated that, that he did not like having to keep up with what other people were doing, particularly because he was drawing so fast, right? You know, he was producing pages much more rapidly than anybody else. And he would have to keep up with what, you know, Ditko was doing and, uh, you know, all the other, uh, all the other guys were doing on their books so that he could sync them up because that's what Stan wanted. And that is what sets the Marvel universe apart from its peers, particularly back in the 60s is that, you know, you could have Fantastic Four fighting Doctor Doom and, you know, look over a block and there's Spider-Man fighting Doctor Octopus. You know, I mean, the, the, the characters live in that same world and that is 100% Stan Lee. Stan is the guy who made these characters human, you know, gave, gave them real life problems, uh, created them to bicker. That was not Jack, that was Stan. And I... I really feel like a balanced view of uh, that cr- uh, that relationship would credit Stan for that, and this memoir does not. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the the guy who wrote this uh, biography of Stan Lee hadn't read a whole lot of comics, <laughs> huh. particularly the comics that, that he was writing about. I mean, it's don't get me wrong; it's a well written biography in terms of craft. 
it is just not what I would call a balanced biography, particularly, and I get it, there's not a whole lot written down, which is why Marvel and Disney have had the legal woes they've had over the decades. Uh, because, you know, back in those days, nobody, they didn't do credits in the books, right? Uh, Aaron, I can honestly say I have never read a biography that has the words and fall in it. <laughs> that has been a balanced view of the, the, the person. Well, you know, I I really took issue. I, I became aware of the uh, writer's point of view when he refers the, the biographer, not just like the circumstance. It wasn't someone commenting. It was the biographer commenting. And he does it a couple of times, and, and he refers to someone in the book as incompetent. And I'm like, okay, you haven't put any facts and evidence to that. Um, now I know who you are, you know, yeah, because the person wasn't there. Right. Right. And I, and I really took issue with the way he wrote Stan's later years. You know, Stan was clearly a victim of elder abuse in his final days. And it bothered me the way he, he, he depicted that story. Um, I don't feel like that was balanced either. Um, anyway, I, 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 I think it's worth the read. Uh, just so that you can know the lies <laughs> that, that, that this guy's writing about. Um, I do think that there there are some some valid points that he makes, but it's overshadowed by the fact that I just don't think it's a very good biographer. Uh, but it is a well written book. I just don't think it's a a, a well. Uh, I don't think it's a a, a balanced view of uh, Stan. And I w- I'm still waiting for that book. I'm still waiting for that book that really tells a more balanced view of the relationship between Stan and Jack. And because Jack died, uh, still pissed off with Stanley and didn't like to talk about this stuff. We may never get that story. Yeah, uh, because really all you because can... I say it's frustrating because every time you see something that is trying to you know tell the story of the other the artist that stands what we're working with, right? Yeah, you know, and it's Kirby and uh, Ditko both. Mm-hmm. It always takes that view of completely you know, dismissing everything Stan did. And it really was a partnership with those creators. I mean, you don't get the Marvel universe without Stan. And I think by trying to elevate the other creators, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are just wanting to dismiss Stan in the process. Yeah. And you can't do that. He's, you have to take him for the good and the bad. It kind of reminds me of Image, right? You know, when Image debuted, it was all about the artists. You know, fuck writers. We don't need writers. We're, we're artists. We can, we can, we draw the story. And then you get all these books that are beautiful to look at, but are just terrible to read. You know, and so the pendulum swings back to, you know, uh, more over to the writer side, but then you emphasize the writer and the next thing you know, you've got some crappy artwork or, you know, too much text on the page. You know, there is that nice, Honey spot. It's a visual medium, but it's also a, a storytelling medium. You've got to balance the writer and the artist. So anyway, I just wanted to share that uh, as we dive into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, well, I think it's a good lead into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Because this week, it, you know, or I guess roughly around this time last week, as of the time of this recording, you know, Ed Brubaker had shared he had some conflicting feelings. Right. About Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, you know, happy to see his his creation because I mean, Winter Soldier is I mean, Bucky's not, but the character of the Winter Soldier is 
Brubaker and Steve Epting's creation. Right. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, he understands, right, um, that it was work for higher stuff, right? He didn't create Bucky. Um, you know, he's gotten the thanks here, you know, here and there over the years and the credits and stuff like that. But, you know, he's got mixed feelings as to the fact that they are now making a television show and he's not receiving any compensation right. um, for his creation as part of this television show. Yeah. And and of course, I don't see that changing with Disney owning him because, I mean, Disney is a basically a property house between the Disney properties, the Star Wars, the Marvel, you know, they they're all about you know paying for uh, for work against that and not doing rights for creations. I mean, yeah, I mean it's work for hire, right? When you work yeah. for you know when you work for one of the big two, you know, and this goes all the way back to Alan Moore and you know Frank Miller. You think Frank Miller gets any a, a red cent off of all the homages? <laughs> to Dark Knight Returns that right. have happened in the last 30 years? Of course not, right? You know, that that it's work for hire, especially when you're using pre-created characters, um, you know, or revamping pre-created characters in the case of Bucky. Now, that being said, you know, that, that of course, was not foremost on my mind in watching these first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, you know, as of, as of the time of this recording, we're two episodes in. Last week, we focused on Justice League, so didn't talk about the premiere but what do you guys think of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I gotta say, I did not care for the first episode. And Same. when I say I don't, I didn't care for the first episode. It just didn't jazz me. In fact, if had, had that been my only exposure to the characters, I might not have come back for a second episode. I just, it just was nothing there. When you come, particularly when you contrast it to how I responded to the first episode of WandaVision, the you know I was so charmed by the first episode of WandaVision uh, that I was like, oh yes, by all means, let me watch the second episode. Um, that said, I think the second episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was fantastic. Um, and yes. had everything in it that was missing from the first episode. And so I really feel like they shouldn't have released two episodes at the same time. They should have made it one big episode. Yeah, I would 100% agree with what you just said. I found the first episode started with a, an excellent action sequence to get you jazzed up and then grinded to a halt oh, in yeah, terms man, of yeah. pacing. I really want to see my, my I really want to spend a lot of time with my character wondering how they're going to pay the bills. Yeah. I want to spend a yeah, lot of time and fishing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So <laughs> I have uh, I have very very similar feedback to what Aaron just gave. In the the first episode, it started with a really good action scene, uh which one of the one of the best action scenes we've seen so far in the show, but I really felt like on that first episode, it didn't feel like I was watching a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. It felt like I was watching a side story of Captain America. It They didn't seem like the stars in their own show from the first episode. Right. And when we get into things like the uh, their side plots, I thought Bucky had a really good story going on. And Falcon, I just can't accept paying bills as a difficulty for a guy that knows T'Challa and could potentially call uh, Pepper Potts. Yeah, that, that I mean, I, I know that nobody wants to have their hand out, but I agree. I think that, you know, when you have uh, the resources and connections he has, that shouldn't be a big a big drama for us. Exactly. I, I just I, mean, I, I just felt, it felt like an artificial drama. And, you know, T'Challa would step in. Right. I mean, he's 
the king of a country, he's incredibly rich, and he's trying to do more with the U.S., as we saw at the end of uh, Black Panther. I mean, it's exactly the kind of situation he would step into. You just got to make a phone call. And that's right. why that yeah. just did not ring true to me of that being something that he has a problem with. Well, and, and I would also think that, you know, given – I mean, even – take Tony Stark and, you know, Pepper Potts and uh, uh, the Black Panther out of it, okay? The U.S. government, you know, employs him. You know, he is he is an agent of the U.S. government. You would think that given his, his uh, preeminence there that – they would look at, okay, well, your family's got debts. We need to take care of that so that someone can't use that against you. You know, that's, I mean, that's something that you screen for in hiring in those kinds of positions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's, that just completely makes no sense to me at all that he would be in the situation he's in. I don't understand it. Yeah. Now we come to the second episode and we finally get the two together. We get kind of the buddy cop thing going on. And it felt more like it was their show, even though right. they weren't particularly effective in their fight. <laughs> right. But, but that you, fight on top of the 18-wheelers was fantastic. It was. I really enjoyed that. So, you know, I, I, you know, just not to belabor the point on what you said with the, with the first episode, but one of the things they that, inter, you know, in interviews, the show creators have said, you know, is that they appreciate the chance to – to see these characters and get to know them more, spend time with them in a way that you would you haven't in the movies, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd venture to say, yeah, I, I agree with that because they haven't been the stars of the movies. Right. But even the stars of the movies, we didn't spend forty five minutes watching them trying to get a loan and, and save their <laughs> yeah. fishing boat, right? Like you know, they're still the first episode definitely had pacing issues that were not prevalent in the second episode, which was everything I wanted from this show. Right, um, action, humor, you know, the the the, the interaction between the two characters you know like it's it, it turned into the the body cop comedy in, in in episode two that i was hoping for right here's my concern now don't get me wrong i i'm su- still super excited for the show especially after episode two i feel like most of the trailer has been seen in the mm-hmm. the, the season one trailer really you know focused primarily on action sequences that we've seen in episode one and two. So I hope that the next four episodes, cause I think this is a six episode series, yeah. um, you know, can maintain the same level of quality and pacing that episode two had um, instead of, cause I mean, they, they still have to wrap up that stuff from the first episode. I would, you know, it would be a shame to, to introduce it and then just not bring yeah. it back, but right. I hope they can continue the pace and that we're not going to see kind of an uneven pacing um, throughout the rest of the series. But Hey, Baron Zemo next episode. Very excited yeah. about that. Well, and that's the thing in the second episode, even the down, you know, the conversation moments, the non-action moments were better. You know, I geeked out when I realized they were going to visit Isaiah. Yeah, and that was pretty cool. I, I gotta say, that scene, was pretty cool. Yeah, and the whole scene right after that, with the police showing up, and uh, you know, basically they were on the verge of arresting Falcon until they find out he's Falcon. Well, and that whole scene where Falcon gets profiled is, I, I, I'm like, wow, this is just this is dotting the i. I mean, it is yeah. it is so on point at this time, uh, and it didn't feel like it was. Like being hammered into you. No, it no, felt it, natural and it, real sure and believable. Not like it's a. We've got a message. We're going to beat you with the hammer of it. I 
I laughed out loud, laughed out loud when, you know, uh, Sam and, and Bucky are walking down the street and this kid goes, Hey, it's black Falcon. (laughs) 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 And, you know, he gives the kid the, the lecture. So, you know, well, you're black. So does that make you black kid? I died. I just thought that, I thought that was, (laughs) that was hysterical. Uh, I, I, the it found its sense of humor in the second episode. It did. The first yeah. episode, I just felt like I was marking time. I was like, "When is this going to be over?" Um, it had none of the charm that uh, WandaVision was just dripped in, right? Yeah, I, I, the I, style, the mystery, yeah, all of yeah. that was you know even even in with less going on in that first episode, not a single action sequence. There was enough mystery and style there uh-huh. to say, "Oh." What's next? Yeah. So, yeah. But now, now Falcon, you know, it seems to have found its footing in the second. It did. It did. There is one elephant in the room we haven't addressed. How freaking goofy uh, John Walker looks wearing the mask. Oh, he does. (laughs) He does. He does look goofy wearing. Yeah, he looks perfectly fine without the mask. In the costume, I think he actually looks really good. It's just when you put that mask on, right. his he, chin, his big yeah, his, ears, he his doesn't. Jaw. Yes, it's his jaw yeah. more. He than looks like a gomer, else. is what he looks like. He looks like a gomer, and so I was really surprised when he's not got the mask on. I'm like, oh, he's not a, a bad looking guy. It, I, I mean, I think they cut the mask to be unflattering on him to make it yeah. look like this is not your Captain America. Um, I was surprised that the character depiction that we've seen so far is so likable. Yeah. Um, because given how Marvel treated the U.S. agent book that recently came out uh, and how they, it was just a, a hit job on U.S. agent, um, I expected that to be the depiction that we got here. And it's not, at least not in this episode. Yeah, uh, I hope it doesn't same. As a fan of U.S. agent, I'm really happy they didn't go that route. Same. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I like the actor. So that's, you know, he, unfortunately, that kid inherited uh, his dad's jawline because that's Kurt <laughs> Russell and Goldie Hawn's kid. Oh, um, OK. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I, I hope they continue with this portrayal that way. It's not like I don't want him to be the character you love to hate. We have enough villains in this show. Let's right. go ahead and, you know, see him learn that, hey, I shouldn't be the inheritor of this title. It should be the Falcon. Right. Yeah, that's what and- I would want to see. Let him learn that he should keep the mask off because he looks like a goofy motherfucker with the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, another show came out. Yes. Uh, we had uh, uh, Kirkman's Invincible, Kirkman and Otley and whoever that other guy is. Uh, Walker. Well, thank you, <laughs> Walker. Uh, their uh, Invincible animated series hit uh, Amazon Prime yesterday. And I got to tell you guys um, – I wish that the DC animated films looked half as good as as this does because holy crap they've animated the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, yeah. and they did an incredible job of capturing like Invincible always had Otley's art style of crisp, clean, beautiful and then you would have utter brutality. Mhm. It was such a juxtaposition between the two. Yeah, it preserves it, the style of a comic book. It, it is, really it does. Is really nicely done. And I gotta say, you know, the you had the Guardians of the Globe are in this first episode, and the Guardians of the Globe are, you know, a a, a metaphor for uh, the Justice League. And 
so they're sh- they're demonstrating these guys' special abilities, and the whole time I'm like, they're doing Justice League better than Justice League does so many times in the in the DC animated features. I'm not talking about the Justice League animated series. I am talking about the films that they've done after the fact, and where I get so frustrated that Flash isn't fast. And the speedster in in this, I mean, is I mean, you're like, wow, he's he's fast, you yeah, know. I it is loved, fantastic. I loved how he operated. Uh-huh. And watching the beginning, like the show starts off giving you this in depth, you know, character development of two guards. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, you know, knowing this is a Kirkman property, like this guy's dead. He's got this huge backstory. They're making him likable. He's dead. Yeah. And. I was very surprised that he wasn't dead <laughs> yet. <laughs> the I, I got to tell you, I, I was so pleasantly surprised at how well uh, drawn this was. You know, there there are scenes where Invincible is flying and he's flying at speed, and the background is moving appropriately. There are so many times, and I keep coming back to the DC animated features because this they're the ones that continually irritate me about this. When there is a car moving on the road, you can, number one, tell that it's computer animated and that the car is really sort of moving independently of its surroundings. Um, that's not the case here. The animation is spot on. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the speedster. In the the final fight scene of the episode, and I don't know if we're doing any spoilers or not, but the final fight scene of the episode, he really impressed me. It was things like he would rush up and push his teammate out of the way of what was about to hit him and i really liked how they portrayed that speedster yeah and i you know i got into the character a lot yeah i i thought i thought this was really well done i will say you know i had the same gripe that i have about most animated features these days is that they didn't use voice actors they used actors Mm -hmm. and uh you know you've got uh steven young Yes. Uh, who was in Walking Dead playing the part of Mark, uh, Invincible. You've got J.K. Simmons playing Omni-Man and Sandra Oh playing uh, Mark's mother. And, and, you know, with the casting of uh, two Asian actors, were they Asian characters in the comics? Was that yeah, something I mean, that I just completely... A, uh, <laughs> I'm wondering, yes. is, is that just something I missed? I, that never occurred to me that, that they were Asian characters in the book. Yeah, she was Asian. Mm-hmm. I never, never dawned on me I, that I never caught that. Uh, but yeah. you know, it, I, I think having... J.K. Simmons on the one—he's done enough voice work. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, he—I would classify him as a you know voice actor as well as a actor actor. Right. Well, so, I, 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 the point I was going to make is that you know while I generally prefer voice actors, I thought the casting was strong. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying even uh, Zachary Quinto, who is not one of my favorite actors. I really enjoy him as robot. Uh, I, 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 I dug the performances. I dug the animation, dug the direction. I love the way they're placing the title card. You know that the title card is a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I've well, watched all three episodes uh, because I got up at a ridic- ridiculous hour this morning. Yeah, but, I watched uh, I watched all three and they really flew. They flow together. Yeah. It was hard to tell where one episode ended and another began, and they continued that joke of they're not going to say his his name for a while. Right. You know, it was, anytime someone went to say the word the name Invincible, they would pop up that title card. Yeah. 
with the blood splattering over it. So, Paul, yep. what'd you think? We, we uh, Wayne and I have been gushing over this. <laughs> what'd you think? I think I'm going to be the sole dissenting opinion on this podcast. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> no, I didn't dislike it. Um, you know, I I have a love hate relationship. I, I have a love indifference relationship, I should say, uh-huh. with with Invincible, the comic book, right? In that, and that's a really fair relationship to have with it because as the series got on. Certain storylines dragged on, and they weren't all good. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. Invincible as a series was never garbage, but it certainly got to points where it was either repetitive or or uninteresting. Um, you know, or yeah. like you said, something would go on for six issues that really could have been wrapped up in two. Yep. Where and, we're at right now in the cartoon, though, this is when the series was at its best. Yeah. I mean, okay. when it started, it started hitting with all cylinders. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I, I certainly enjoyed the first episode because I have not seen the other two yet. I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance yet. Not not that I won't, because I will. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed them very much. I was surprised, I will say, that the episodes are 45 minutes instead of 30 minutes yeah, for an animated was, show. That's unusual. I was, too. Yeah. Um, but I will say one of the things that the only dissenting thing that I think I would say is that this is a series that preaches to the choir in that if you are not a comic book superhero fan, mm-hmm. regardless of the shock and awe of the final five minutes of that first episode, you will not give a shit about this show. <laughs> uh, you know, I was watching it and I'm like, there is no way. Cause I, you know, I was like, it's Amazon, the creator of walking dead, you know, maybe Jenna watch it with me. I got, Ten minutes into that first episode, I'm like, no, no, I'm not even going to yeah. ask. Like, this is not her jam. If you are not into specifically, you know, like this is this isn't your Marvel MCU, you know, accessibility. This is like you're a comic fan. If you're a comic right. fan, you'll love superhero fan. You'll love Invincible. If you're not, don't even bother because it's just not going to be your jam. Yeah. Well, no, I and agree. I think the other hard part about the first episode is it does a lot of character building. You have a lot being done that isn't going to relate to the rest of the series. You don't really get Mark's story starting much until the second episode because he doesn't have his powers through a good portion of the first episode. Mm -hmm. And you start to get his characters, not the people that work with his father, but the people that he works with are all really around that second episode and they start building it there. I think the show changes at that point i mean just like the comics did it becomes more focused on him than his father yeah so i mean again first episode initial impressions i enjoyed it i look forward to watching the rest um you know the it 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 certainly captures the feel of the comic book for better or worse um which is to say somewhere around midway into season two i'll quit it until the end, <laughs> until it's all done, and then I'll get caught up until the, yeah, when the next storyline kicks off, because that was my relationship with the comic. I would drop out for like a year, then get caught up because, you know, it was like a bi-monthly title. <laughs> See, I um, was just excited. You haven't gotten far enough to get the character, but Adam Eve is one of my favorite characters from comics ever. I absolutely loved her when I was reading Invincible originally, and I was uh, I was very pleased with her portrayal on the cartoon so that that made me really happy because she is a she's been a big character for me i i said one of my favorite characters well and i would i would go on to say that i not only is she well depicted here i would i would say that her uh depiction here is consistent 
you know, and that's one of the nice things about this is that all the characters seem consistent with the book. Um, you know, like Paul, I didn't read it on a month-to-month basis. I'd I'd buy it uh, when it went on sale and on in trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I love I love the series like most Robin Robert Kirkman series. It kind of goes on too long, but uh, I I did very much enjoy it. Yeah, and these parts of the uh, the show I didn't read these issues when they came out. It was around issue twenty or so. They had a free comic book day issue. Mm-hmm. And that was when I discovered Invincible, and I went back and bought the trades to read to catch up to it. So I never read this part of the storyline coming out issue by issue. I always read it by trade. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, regardless, as you can tell, whether you are a DC fan, a Marvel fan, or an Image Comics fan, you could there is shit for you to watch without even leaving your house. Hours of entertainment, of new entertainment without even leaving your house. And one of the things we didn't mention um, when we were talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier is that Black Widow has seen yet another delay. Um, you know, it, it, as far as its release, Black Widow, Black Widow will now be released in July, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and but July 9th with, with Shang Chi in August, is that right? Uh, I think Shang-Chi is September. September, okay. Um, But Black Widow will come out July 9th in cinemas and as one of those Disney Plus um, premiere, I think. Disney Plus premieres, it's like 30 bucks. 30 bucks Uh, to watch that movie. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm on the fence. I mean, I'm seeing it regardless. I'm on the fence on whether I'm going to go to a cinema to see it or if I'm going to pay the $30 and then, you know, because I could pay $30 and see it in the movie theater or I could pay $30 and watch it repeatedly at home <laughs> if it's good uh you know yeah, so i hate yourself, yourself or hate yourself for having spent 30 dollars on it <laughs> you know if well, you go that. to a if you go to a theater with someone you're gonna spend 30 dollars anyway that's true yeah. and it, right now for me the math comes down to if i go to a theater i'm gonna have to watch this movie wearing a mask for an hour and a half to two hours and i'm not going to enjoy the movie maybe versus not pay the same amount at home maybe, maybe not, not but yeah. I, I, Missouri's I have high not, confidence. Missouri's not doing well with its rollouts. I'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, just as an aside, I went out to a restaurant last night mm-hmm. and had a beer and ate dinner for the first Ooh. time in over a year. Look at you. Just saying. Go Aaron. Yeah, look at me and my two shots. <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know if you guys knew this, listeners, dear listener, Uh-oh. but we are, in fact, a comic book podcast. Are we? And there are actual comic books No, that we're going to try to talk about this week. Print is dead. Well, you know, we didn't talk about <laughs> yeah. Well, true. There are, there are digital comic books that we're going to be talking <laughs> about. Um, you know, we didn't talk last week about comic books because we had four hours of, of Zack Snyder uh, to talk about, but... Um, some some of DC's releases last week warranted revisiting this week. Um, you know, I, I, before we go into comics, I do want to mention something, which is Comixology. You know, as a digital comics buyer, this is first world problems. You know, <laughs> in purchasing my books last week, you know, I purchased Iron Man and Thor and Radiant Black and Justice League and Superman Red and Blue, um, and I accidentally clicked kingdom hearts three issue number 16 and you know if you're signed in and you accidentally click it it just buys it now and you're fucked (laughs) (laughs) you can return it 
I yeah, I never I've returned the, them before. You have to you have to go through customer service, and they're like, usually we don't do this. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, they have never given me that problem. I've really, just I have, said, they're like, usually we don't do this. You know, but they're like, but we could, because you haven't actually opened the the file, we can <laughs> we'll refund your money. Was the last time that happened? I'm like, eh, it was only a dollar ninety nine. Uh, but I was like, damn it. Yeah, I never buy instantly. I always add them to cart. Yeah, that's yeah, what I that, normally do. But if you're signed in, it has that buy it now, and I just accidentally right. that. You can you can deactivate buy it now and just always do. Uh, you can deactivate that one click purchase. Just saying. Yeah, I need to mess with it. Yeah, but you know, I I have. I won't say I've done it more than probably three times, but you know, over the years I have bought uh, in error books before. Uh, I think my first one was one of those. I, I thought it was a new issue, and it was like one of those director's cut issues, you know, where they just added in additional content. And I was like, no, no, this isn't what I was buying. I need you to take this back. And they didn't give me any shit at all. Hmm. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But yeah. I would think that I would think honestly, you know, like Amazon and because it's an Amazon owned company, they should look at what you spend with them <laughs> on a regular basis and go, oh, yes, Mr. Aponte, anything for you, Mr. Aponte. You think so? They're like, yeah. you, you, you sponsor a number of our members. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bezos thanks you for his new car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, do you ever like it says recently purchased, uh, you know, on your smart list? Because that's how I navigate. Yeah. You know, you go to your right, smart right. list and it says recently purchased 150 of 5,177. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. No, yeah, no, it is. It is shocking. Shocking when I go over to my books and I hit uh, everything on the cloud. All of my books are seven thousand six hundred and ninety-one comics. Yeah, and that's not that. That includes trades, right? So yeah, that's <laughs> it's a lot of content. Yeah, but I uh, have never looked that up. I probably yeah, it, should. It's shocking. Don't, Don't do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you guys went digital long before I did. So yeah, so. I mean, even if you just say okay, ninety-nine cents each, right? I mean, it's shocking. Yeah, and uh, uh, no one, no one, no one should let my wife know about this. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially with the cost of comics going up. So uh, you know, Nightwing number seventy-eight came out last week. You know, which was a normal three ninety-nine, unlike Justice League, which was I think a five ninety-nine book. Yeah, I think you're um, right. these these freaking six dollar or seven dollar books. But we'll get anyway. We'll talk about Justice League here in a minute. Let's start with talking about Nightwing. Um, you know, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, the creative team behind Injustice: Gods Among Us, um, you know, have relaunched Nightwing. You know, not not as a number one. You know, not erasing any prior continuity. Just kind of a new creative team, new direction, back mm-hmm. in Bloodhaven. And you know, I'm 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 very curious. What I, I don't even need to ask huh. what Wayne thought of this book. Yeah, there is. Absolutely nothing new, nothing original in this take, and that is not a complaint or problem at all. This was a return to form for Nightwing, a return to what I like reading about the character. I absolutely loved the book, even with it being nothing, like no new takes. And I loved the uh, everything with him and the dog, of course, because he gets a dog. I loved everything with him and Barbara, and it's just those moments and that seeing this character again, the way I like seeing him depicted, really brought 
you know, it brought me to the book to the point that I'm excited about reading it again. And I said, nothing really new. This isn't a shocking new take or a new direction for Nightwing. This is just a return to form. I thought there was a really nice scene uh, in the book with young Dick Grayson and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 and I echo everything Wayne just said. I, this was, this was the Nightwing book I've been looking for and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was beautifully drawn, beautifully written. Uh, it, it is, yeah, there's, there's, there's a almost unhealthy level of nostalgia in the book for me, but it is exactly what I want. I mean, it was a, uh, a, a, a warm bed that I just wanted to crawl in. It was great. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah it, it is for anyone who's ever read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. It's basically the same book, but not with Nightwing in it instead. Um, and I say that with with the highest, um, you know. Uh, yeah, this one will come out on time. Yeah, highest compliment. <laughs> Fraction's Hawkeye is my 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 you know my my favorite take on the character, and this book just you know it it is heartwarming. It is exactly what you want from a Nightwing book. Um, it, it's it is just. If you are a Nightwing fan, this is your opportunity to hop on, um, yeah. you know, to a take of a character that, you know, like like you said, it, it it goes to the core concept. It's you know rooted in nostalgia, and the Bruno Redondo art, I will say, um, is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I didn't, yeah. you know, I don't remember Injustice, Gods Among Us, really having the greatest art. You know, I remember the story more than I remember the art of Injustice, but the art in this book is really beautiful. Um, really well done. So, you know, and that brings us over to Justice League, which I think is also a return to form, um, is is telling a sort of Justice League story that I'm interested in. And I think the writing is really strong. It's a it's a uh, Brian Bendis book. Um, I, I I like the artwork a lot less than I enjoyed the uh, Nightwing book. I'd uh, agree. David Marquez. And I like it. I, and I love David Marquez, but he has adopted a style here I do not care for. Mm-hmm. This is this is not this is not the same style that he employed, for instance, in uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I love David Marquez, I think he's a very talented artist. I just he's making some choices here that I don't care for, and maybe those choices I say that maybe those choices are made from the coloring. You know, uh, I don't know, but there there are moments where I'm like, I feel like we have juveniled some of the characters in the mm-hmm. way we're drawing their faces. Like, you know, Black Adam's a really rugged-looking guy, the way we've always seen him. I mean, he is just a really rugged-looking guy. And Superman's a grown man. And there are shots in here that make Superman look like he's 20. Yeah, and, and same with Black Adam. He looks Yeah, they just look too far young. too infantile. Um, and, and that, and that bugs me. And there is a, there is a very kitty centric sort of way that the book is drawn. And I don't understand that choice. Yeah. Especially because from a character writing standpoint, mm-hmm. the characterization seems spot on for the characters. Yeah. I yeah. really like how this black Adam is depicted. I mean, yeah. they are there in his country and he's going to use them as a resource and then he's done with them and they yeah. need to get the hell out of his country. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, really I said, appreciated this take on him. Yeah, the stories, the writing is 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 really well done. You know, which is considering the issue is very focused on action, which is not Bendis's forte. He does a he does a great job. You know, with this first issue uh, take of Justice League, and and it's it's actually Justice League fifty nine, but it's his first issue on the title. Um, 
you know, I, you know, obviously it would be easy to say I, I prefer Nick Darrington on the title. Oh, well, yeah, but uh, I mean, that's true of every book of every book, right? <laughs> um, I, that's, that's Paul's standing review. I'd prefer Nick Darrington. I'd prefer Nick Darrington. <laughs> the only thing that I would say, the only negative I would say on this book is I wish, I, I wish Bendis would stop trying to make Naomi a thing. <laughs> I was about to say the only negative that you, you're going to have is that uh, Naomi showing up again. It's like well, Andrew is such a, a huge thing. piece of the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah, it's like trying to make fetch happen. Like, stop, stop. It's not a thing. <laughs> you know, it, the series just didn't sell well. Stop trying to shove Naomi down our throats. I know she's your creation, and you'll be pissed when they make a TV series about her in ten years and you get no money from it. But stop trying to make it happen because it's you know it didn't connect with me in Young Justice. It's not connecting with me now. Um, you know, I, I but you know that being said, I, I do appreciate the focus on Black Adam because you don't see a ton of Black Adam anymore. Um, you know, he, he you know not, not certainly not as a central focus of the book. So it was nice getting that that yeah. much time with the character. What did um, you think of the backup story, Paul? <sighs> the Justice League Dark. Uh, I, w- I wish the book was to Caledonia. <laughs> yeah, the Return to Caledonia. I wish the book was two dollars cheaper and it didn't include this. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I didn't uh, read all of it. I started it. It had zero interest for me, and I quit reading yeah. it. Here's the thing. Well, I loved Justice League Dark that when it first started. Um, I don't remember who the writer was, which is sad, but you know, I remember being a big fan of when they launched the book after the first metal, I think, and really enjoying, you know, the, the take with Constantine and Zatanna and Detective Chimp. And I just, you know, trailed off of it. I think it was James Tinian and after he left the book. Um, and, you know, so I was like, okay, well, you know, let me, let me give this a shot. It just, it's, it was boring. It was so exposition heavy. Um, no real momentum to the story. It did not connect with me at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that these, number one, I don't think these stories have the same sort of tone. I don't think that just because it's got justice league in the title means that it needs to be in a justice league book. Yeah. Um, you know, so you've got, you've got this very superhero centric story that, that, that people tuned in for, and then you throw in some back matter on a justice league dark story that just is jarring. You know, from from the way it's written to the way it's drawn, it's just jarring and not in a good way. Um, I, I still I, hate I, that they call the team Justice League Dark. I have the same issue like over in Marvel. Suddenly Avengers was making movies, so every team had to be called Avengers. Hmm. And you had like uh, seven different Avengers teams. Justice League has had some of that. It hasn't been nearly as bad as Marvel. But not every team needs to have Justice League in the name. I know it sells better if it does, but there's no reason for Justice League Dark to be called Justice League. They should have their own name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't mind the name, but I, I certainly minded the story. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, and to your point, Aaron, the the, the shift in tone, um, you know, it the back matter is not serving the front story, as, you know, like I think they wanted to. It's totally a different story. Just like we're not going to talk about it, but this week's Action Comics contained a backup feature with Midnighter, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, who cares? Well, and um, stop trying to make Midnighter a thing. Yeah, stop trying to yeah. make Midnighter a thing. <laughs> well, um, and versus another book we're not talking about, Detective Comics, the backup does fit. Yeah, and with that was fine, right? Like, I thought that and that did fit perfectly. Um, but, yeah, it just oh, – I, I, necess- I did not care for this backup feature, but, um, you know – 
I, I enjoyed the, the front feature. And, you know, uh, now we're moving into this week's books. Very DC-centric podcast this week. Uh, but Batman Superman issue 16 from um, also, you know, part of this new frontier with a new creative team, Gene, Gene Yang. Um, and I think the artist was Ivan Rice. Yes. Am I getting that right? Yep, you are. Yeah. Um, and so very, very different take you know and especially as a digital reader i would be very curious how you guys read this book so the concept is um that you have two that the entire book is told in two page spreads with two simultaneous stories happening one on the top and one on the bottom um you know in in a format of film strips and so you could either read them you know simultaneously by alternating between stories or you could go through one story completely and then back to the other story completely um you know which is not the way that guided view works and i know you guys read via guided view so i'm very curious to hear how you guys read superman batman issue 16 yeah we've talked in the past about how like mark wade and some of these other creators are able to write to digital and take advantage of the format this is the opposite of that right this is and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this book is this is horrible for the digital read. Uh, guided View, the way that it did it, and that's really how I would need to read this anyway, being so looking at the pages, it makes it small otherwise. Guided View takes it on the page. You do the top panel, and then you go through the bottom panels. So it, I read the stories as... Here's part of the Superman story. Here's part of the Batman story. Here's part of the Superman story. Here's part of the Batman story. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't care for these this type of storytelling device. You know, we've seen this over the years in various books where, you know, you've got, you know, one story at the top of the book and another story at the bottom of the book. Um, I, I find it frustrating either in print or in, uh, in a digital book. You know, I read it in guided view. And then, you know, I've got my guided view set up that at the end of each page, it will show me the entire page so that I can, you know, make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, I found it frustrating. Um, I liked the story, though, and the art yeah. is gorgeous. Um, so despite the the storytelling device that's employed, uh, my, my frustration with that, I liked everything else about yeah. this book. I love the story. I love the character designs. Yeah. The Superman S-Shield being, you know, yeah. more of the old one all leading up to it combining on that last page and i think that if this were like like i'm thinking back to the old flip books this would have mm -hmm. been kind of an interesting flip book with the right. one page in the middle that unites the story i don't think we're going to see an issue the next issue this type of storytelling because it looks like they're combining it right uh which is good because like i said i i love the story i did not like the the reading experience agreed yeah, I, no, I did read it. Um, I read through one story and then went back and read through the other story because, you know, I did just, I didn't, I, I generally don't read in guided view. Um, you know, I, I like to look at the full page comic to get that full page comic feel. Uh, so that's the way I read it. I kind of went through one full story and then back to the other story. Uh, you know, it was gimmicky, um, but it was gimmicky in a way that, quite frankly, I haven't seen in years. So I, I enjoyed it for the nostalgia of it. I, I certainly would not like a six-issue series, 
told in this format. <laughs> but for you know, yeah, for, right. for a one issue thing, I thought it was fine and it was fun. Um, and like you said, you can for me, you can never go wrong with uh, Ivan Rice uh, as your yeah. artist. Yeah, I would love to have book. a poster of this one in particular panel where Superman is standing there doing the normal, you know, fists on hip pose. And it's just, sir, that's quite enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a good book, despite the storytelling device. Uh, what was not a good book was Teen Titans Academy number one. What? I you motherfuckers. The only reason I, I bought this book was because you guys bought it. <laughs> I, I hated this book. The only thing, the only redeeming quality this book has is Gorilla Greg. Yes. Uh, other than that, this book was a steaming turd. I am so disappointed in this book. I was really hoping for a DC version of Avengers Academy, and what I got here was just uh, just an awful, awful, awful book. Yep, that is super preachy. Yeah. Oh, and you know there was a there was a bunch of drama before this book came out that it might get pulped. That uh, you know the print version might not come out last week as it did because of a comment that Nightwing make, makes in reference to. Uh, Harry Potter, you know, he says uh, he, he makes a reference to Harry Potter and nobody, re- none of the classmates respond. And he says, I guess you're all too young for that reference. And the kids are like, no, we understand this reference. We just think nowadays it's problematic and best ignored. And, you know, of course, that caused an issue at Warner because, you know, they uh, own both of these properties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there was a, there was a lot of talk that it might not make it to print. Uh, I'm not sure what they were going to do with the, if they were going to release the digital uh, book at the same time and just correct those pages digitally, which is really easy to do, um, or at least easier to do and less costly. But uh, you know, there there was a lot of conversation online about that. They released the book uh, as is, um, but you know, it, it, number one, it, I wonder if maybe that drama wasn't created to get some hype on an otherwise poorly written book. I, I tend uh, to agree to, with to, you. I think it to might boost have been. some cells because yeah. it, it doesn't seem number one. It doesn't seem like that big a deal. And number two, to your to your earlier point, uh, I really hated the the way that the kids in this book are written. They are ju- they are they are so very much what I just described. You know, judgy. You know, uh, leaning yeah. into cancel culture. I, you know, I just boy, I I hated this book yeah the only with everything i had but i love gorilla greg gorilla i mean i need gorilla greg to have his own book uh so i don't have to have to deal through this because and and you know i'm I'm fussing at the book and i don't want people to think that it's it's because of that scene that i dislike this book what i disliked about this book is the big bad in this book is you know, shared as, oh, you know, uh, that's just a holograph of this guy, you know, that uh, Dick used to impersonate at some point, which I guess happened in the Zero issue of the series. Um, then, you know, no one seems to be concerned that somebody has already hacked their, you know, super high security uh, system. There are things that are happening in the book that Nightwing, as a detective, should be firing off alarms in his head. I just... The heroes are making stupid mistakes. Our mature heroes are making stupid mistakes. And the book is written so dumb. I just wanted to scream by the time I was done with it because I love the original Teen Titans. Yeah, it, it seems love like them. they're completely taking the Red X storyline from from the Teen Titans cartoon. 
because mm-hmm. they had that whole Red X. Is story. that where that comes from? Because I'm not familiar with the Red X storyline. Yeah, at one and I, he basically creates the identity so he can take on Slade and ends up fighting his entire team as Red X at one point without telling them that it's him under there, putting them through like their paces and testing them. Yeah, but huh. that's that was a cartoon thing, right? Like not in the actual comics. Yeah. Right. right. No, that's well, what I'm saying. Th- there is a there is a subscript note that refers you back to you know the uh, Infinite Frontier Zero issue or whatever it was. Uh, so th- that's where I thought all this was from. I didn't know that it was from the cartoon. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. adapting it from the cartoon into the comics now. The yeah. character Red X came from that cartoon. Man, I'm I'm not I'm not yeah. picking up issue I'm out. two. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm know, out. You know, Hard con- out. Considering how much I loved the first issue of Strange Academy, I was hopeful for. You know, something along those lines from Teen Titans Academy, yeah. and I just did not get it. So, well, I'm good. And, you know, we talked so much last week when we did the Justice League review about how much I enjoyed Cyborg mm-hmm. in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I hate the way they draw Cyborg in this book. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's a cyborg. He looks like he's wearing metal pants. And he has you no know, character. He, yeah, none. Awful book. Hated yeah. Donna Troy in this book. Well, I love Donna Troy. I loved the idea of the upperclassmen are the current teen, you know, Teen Titans, but I don't like how they actually implemented it. I didn't right. care about any of the scenes while they were out there doing their superhero thing. Well, or I'm that curious team. as to how you have upperclassmen when this is your first year being open. Yeah, you know that. You know, generally when you're opening up a new school, you start with your freshman class and then they all age in. You know, and, and why is Billy Batson at this school? Yeah, I don't know. He has it's, been it's a super, stupid. Book. Yeah, he has been a superhero as long as you know any character yeah. out there. Yeah, but he's a student at the school. Stupid book. <laughs> it was. I mean, it, it, I, it is rare that I read something that is so insulting as this book. Hated it. Well, perhaps the conclusion of Taskmaster served you better. Because Taskmaster issue five came out, this series was fucking awesome. It yeah. was. I love. I loved every single page of this series, and it paid off great. The ending of this book was so perfect. Uh, I loved it. I, and I don't want to spoil anything because I want people to enjoy this book. I thought this book was well drawn, well written, well paced. I love how Taskmaster's figuring shit out. I love this book. I love this series. I want to see more. I love that he finally we get in his head and he explains why Black Widow is more of a you know something he's afraid of versus all of these big superpower people he's fighting. Why they don't well, and scare I love him, that- but she does. I love that he describes his super superpower as cowardice. Mm-hmm. I know when yeah. to cut and run. I know when 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 it's not going to go my way, and I get the fuck out. You know, like I, I love this guy. Love this guy. And it's a shame that this was. I mean, because uh, you get to that final page, right? And the the, the ending of the series is just great fun. Um, yeah. Then because they're like. The Rubicons are all triggered, the tasks are all mastered, and the dead have risen again. We've reached the end of our tale. Um, you know, Jed McKay is apparently writing Black Cat and Avengers Mech Strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alessandro Vitti is moving on to uh, pick up the next issue or the next arc of Thor. Uh, so I, I, I truly enjoyed this miniseries. I hope this creative team continues again. I will probably not be following Jed McKay over to Black Cat or Avengers Mech Strike. Uh, but yeah. this was a damn good series. Yeah, it was terrific. Yeah. It was terrific. I want to see another one. 
Same. Yeah, I, I'm torn yeah. on the uh, going over to uh, Thor because Thor is a really good book right now, and I yeah. don't like shaking up the creative team there. But yeah, that that is a little threatening, <laughs> you know, given how how good that uh, story is there. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week being a fifth week, very few comic book releases next week, but we do get the Infinite Frontier relaunch of The Flash, uh, you know, which uh, if you haven't been following, um, Wally West has taken over the mantle of The Flash once more because Barry Allen is is on the, I don't know, the, the multiverse Avengers or whatever the hell they're called. Um, so Flash 768 features, you know, the relaunch of that title. The other history. Who's writing that? Do we do we have who's writing Jeremy that? Jeremy Adams, who I'm not familiar with. Nor I. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, look at the preview pages. If it came out this week, I wouldn't have gotten it, but because there's too much this week. Exactly. Yeah. But if it comes yeah. out and coming out next week, there's a good chance I'll give it a try. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a four ninety. It's only five dollars. Um, holding the line at four ninety nine. Holding the line at four ninety nine. Yeah. So well, and again, it is a slow week next week. So uh, the other history of the DC universe issue three comes out. Um, also, Strange Adventures issue nine. I know Aaron is still picking up that title. I'm just going to wait for I it am. to end. And X Men Legends issue two from Fabian Nicheza and Brett Booth, uh, continuing the story of Adam so X. Much. Love Pretty that first so much. Hey, Paul, doesn't that movie come out next week? That movie? Yeah, um, you know, that one, that, the big matchup, the, yes. big, the, the, big, the, yeah. big, the big fight. So next Wednesday, um, I believe it's Wednesday, I think it's March 31st, Godzilla vs. Kong comes out. <laughs> That's why Aaron asked. Um, <laughs> and so we will, of course, be talking about that next week right here on Funny Books. Us with, with special guest Godzilla. Yeah, Gojira. He's going to join us. He's going to join us. Or, or King Kong, whichever one of them survives the fight. Because I believe it is a fight to the death. Oh, I don't. Just saying. I'm pretty <laughs> confident it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we want to know what you think of this week's books and how much you hated Teen Titans Academy. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on at uh, on social media, at IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, I am I am totally Camp Kong. Uh, what team are you on, Paul? I'm Camp Kong. All right, Wayne. I just want to see the fight. Wayne's going to be out there. You're both winners. <laughs> well, I'm very excited about it. Um, and just just to end on a high note, Zack Snyder's Justice League Justice is Grey Edition now available on HBO Max if you want to watch it again in black and white. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 